And so what we want to try and do as much as possible, what Jack's getting at is show up in a neutral best version of ourselves. Not sending a post-interview thank you or follow-up within that 24-hour to 48-hour period. That is a major misstep in you being able to come top of mind for that individual so that they can remember that awesome conversation that you had. Welcome to the Career Advancement Academy. We're your hosts, Jack and Kara Dennison, and we're your ultimate career coaches. We're here to help you find, land, and crush your dream job. And help you live an amazingly authentic life while doing it. If you're a professional ready to make the money you're worth, make an impact at companies you like, and live authentically, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Career Advancement Academy. Class is in session. Welcome back, career goal getters. Kara and Jack are back with another episode to guide you to career success. We invite you to go back and check out last week's episode, Three Reasons Why Your Networking Calls Aren't Working. Ooh, networking is scary. So if you have been worried about networking, go check that out. This week, we are talking about interviews. Interviews. So if you are coming up on a job search, are in a job search, have ever been in interviews, We want to make sure that you don't make these mistakes if you want a call back. That's right. We're talking about interview mistakes. Now, there are so many different types of interviews, recruiter interviews, hiring manager interviews, panel interviews, all that other stuff. And we're not talking about specific interviews today. If you want that, leave us a comment um, on our YouTube channel. Definitely go check that out. It's Optimized Career Solutions. So you can watch us. Hello, uh, live record this. But um, if you are struggling to close and get that offer or get that next interview, we're going to be going over some common mistakes that a lot of people make in any type of interview that we want to make sure that you don't make. Because listen, interviews, they're nerve wracking in and of itself, right? You slap the word interview on a conversation and nail bite in and uh, anxiety and all of that other stuff. And so we want to illuminate some of the most common mistakes that most most people make after helping thousands of people go on land interviews and land offers so that you don't make those mistakes as well. So let's begin, unveil some of those mistakes and tell you how you can avoid them. Jack, what's the first one? First one is not researching the company. We talked about this last week. We did. We talked about it for networking. It's so important to research the company and understand what are the elements happening in that interview room, right? Because we need to know the values. We need to know the recent developments. And really, there's just so much that kind of can be gathered by just doing some real quick research on that organization. Mm -hmm. As someone who was a corporate recruiter, one of the biggest red flags and one of the reasons why you were not moving forward with me and a lot of our recruiters was if you knew nothing about the company, if I knew that you were just showing up because you were interviewing everywhere and you were spamming the job boards and you had no idea about who we were, what the job was, et cetera, you weren't moving forward. So research the company, research the role, research the person you're going to be interviewing with. Here's a little bit about how to do that. 
First, you're going to want to do a deep dive online. Check out the company's website, their social media profiles, any recent news articles. Company websites are there for a reason. They usually have a career page where they will have job postings, but most importantly, they will have information on the company, including their mission, their vision, their values, and all of that other really great stuff, which leads me into knowing about their culture. You want to know about whether or not this is a good fit for for you or not. And especially for recruiter screens, they're going to want to know whether or not you're going to fit in with the company in and of itself. So knowing about the values, knowing about what the company does, their product, their service, and a little bit about who the key leaders are there are going to not only set you apart from your competition, but they're going to give you a lot more information to speak to in that interview, making you a much better and more powerful and impactful candidate. You know, the, the last part is really asking questions that are insightful. Mm-hmm. It's it's showing that you have genuine interest, right? You did your homework prior to that should be part of that deep dive, right? Is preparing those questions and making sure you are ready mm-hmm. to be able to overcome anything that gets thrown at you. Yeah. One of the kind of not worst questions, but not a great question is to ask a question that is so obviously on their website, right? Like asking what, uh, what do you do or what are your products or what are your values when it's all right there asking more insightful questions, um, about the specifics of the role specifics of the person that you're interviewing and their experience. It's going to help you showcase your again, genuine interest and that you've done your research and that you're excited to be there in that conversation. That is a very critical part of interviewing too. Excitement. That's so important. It is. Make sure you're bringing the excitement. So mistake number two, overconfidence or underconfidence, right? Striking that balance is a hard thing to do, especially when we are excited about something uh, and we've done the preparation, but coming across as arrogant or potentially as combative or or even too modest, right? All of those things are going to put you into that no red flag category and not allow you to progress in the interview process. Mm-hmm. The sweet spot here is a confident and aware, authentic version of you, right? Where you know what you can bring to the table. You have a curiosity mindset about anything that you don't know, and you're genuine about things where maybe you have a gap, right? So that's what you're you're looking for. At the end of the day, let's zoom out. What are the decision maker and the recruiters looking for? Recruiters are looking for someone who's a good fit for the company, a good fit for the culture, who can drive that culture forward. Um, And the hiring managers are looking for someone who can do the job and is going to be a good fit for the team. So what that means, if it's a leadership position, they're looking for someone who can be confident, is not cocky, is not going to um, be arrogant and turn the team off, who can be a team player, um, if whether you're a leader or not, and can take ownership, right? And if you're instead coming across as I don't have confidence in this role. I don't know why I'm here. I don't understand the role or, oh, I can do this. This is beneath me. Then you're not going to be a good fit either way. I think the best way to kind of sum this up, the solutions to this is really one, try to practice some self-awareness and reflect on your achievements so that you can really just state and discuss them without 
embellishment or feeling like you have to embellish uh, to be to wow the individual on the other side of the table. But it's also important to seek feedback Mm -hmm. before you actually go in for the interview. Make sure you practice. Make sure you've talked with others uh, about potential questions on how you answer questions on on what questions you might bring up uh, in that interview of the interviewer. Um, But also ask for feedback on how you look. How's your camera look? If it's a remote opportunity, uh, how is my body language? How is my tone? How is my energy? All of those things. Practice like you're in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Show up as if it matters. Mm -hmm. And also, are you able to the key thing about this is with any story, anything that you're trying to present from your career, you need to be able to frame your achievements. You need to also be able to reframe your achievements if somebody doesn't understand the impact that you've brought. If they don't see how you've driven results at your past organizations and how that relates towards these new roles, well, we need to help them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is a lot of times, especially women, right? They don't necessarily know how to advocate for themselves in an interview. And this is actually true for a lot of people. Interviewing is not always a common conversation you're going to have every day. So what you want to do, and we're going to talk about this in, in upcoming ones, or actually the next one, but you're going to want to make sure that you're advocating for yourself and telling your stories accurately and impactfully. This is not the time to be humble, right? This is not the time to be humble or downplay your achievements. It's not the time to be boasting or overinflating your achievements. You want to tell your stories exactly how they are and also take ownership for what you've done. A lot of times I've spoken to leaders or executives who feel uncomfortable advocating or quote unquote bragging or whatever about their achievements. And so they say, well, my team did this or whatever. Without you leading that team, they wouldn't have gotten it done. So it is okay to say, I spearheaded this initiative and collaborated with my team, or I spearheaded this initiative and led my team to do this. That is okay to say, but it's not okay to say, well, I did this all on my own and I had no one helping me either. Right? So you want to find that balance and that's going to lead to our next solution, which is giving generic or next problem or mistake, which is giving generic answers. So one of the solutions, well, I know I'm kind of jumping around, but one of the solutions is really learning how to tell your stories impactfully. So the mistake, let's back up a little a little bit. The mistake is giving generic answers and not giving impactful answers. So for instance, if someone says, um, you know, tell me about a time that you've, you know, implemented this product or tell me about a time where you've led a team to do this. A lot of times people say, oh yeah, I've done that. This is kind of what I did. Instead, what you want to do is um, tell me about a time that that you led a team to implement a a product under deadline, right? Or whatever. You want to say, when I was working at ABC Company, I was in this role leading a team of this size. The problem that we had was we had to implement this project within a tight deadline of only X amount of months. 
The solution that I came up with was I gathered my team together. I did this thing and we created up this solution. And what was really great about this is that the results that we had were X, Y, and Z. And we were able to come in under deadline. And why I'm so excited about this uh, project and why we had this experience is because it allowed me to really take ownership of this project, meet the deadline, and learn lessons for future projects on how we can streamline the process, right? That's an impactful story without bragging. It talks about the team. It talks about what you did and your impact. And it tells the story and sets the scene so that people can follow along with you instead of just saying, oh, yeah, I've done that. That's what I do all the time. And I could do that for you. You know, when it comes to answering and how you can prepare for these, right? When it comes to preparing your stories and answering interview questions, we always recommend the most common method is the STAR method. The best way to do that, the STAR method, by the way, is situation, task, action, and result. What we recommend is a little bit of a smaller version of that, which is problem, solution, result, and setting the scene beforehand. When you do it this way, it helps you remember a framework. It helps you tell the story and make sure that you don't miss anything without going too long. This also helps you learn your stories when you write it in these formulas on an Excel spreadsheet, a Google spreadsheet, take your resume and really expand on the stories and put them in this formula. By the time you learn these stories over and over and over again, you know them so well that you can customize them to multiple, multiple situations. So for instance, in that short little example that I gave you about leading a team to complete a project under deadline, that's a fairly generic story that you can, that most people have, (laughs) that you can really customize and make unique for you wherever you were doing that and the results and the team, et cetera. But you can use that story with, tell me about a time where you had to lead a cross-functional team as a peer leader. Tell me about a time where a project went off track and you had to get it back on track. Tell me about a time where you were dealing with um, an underperforming employee. You can use that entire story and maybe you had an uh, an employee that you had to coach up during that, right? These are the stories that once you know them so well, you can customize them and tweak them slightly to address multiple questions. This is how you become an effective interviewer. What Kara is getting at is we want the stories to be so ingrained that we're not memorizing them because mm-hmm. if we're memorizing, we're only going to be able to tell them in a certain way, in that one way that we practiced it. But knowing it takes it from your head and moves it down to your heart to where you can, like Kara said, just talk about it Mm -hmm. as it relates to any type of situation that they might ask you. Mm -hmm. So I I really think that this is an important thing uh, because generic answers are going to get you quickly on that no list. It's important to tell your impact and the star formula is a great way to do it. And it's also one of the things that we find uh, most professionals struggle being able to do. It takes a lot of training uh, to be able to, one, get your stories formulated in that way. That's why uh, we work with so many professionals on their branding, because we help them craft that story in that in that uh, methodology, um, which now we're in the conversation, right? And we are, we're, we're having a conversation, but one of the things that can come across in that conversation that we're not even thinking about It's our body language. Mm. It's that nonverbal communication. And that's the mistake number four that we find where 
we're not even thinking we're thinking so hard maybe about trying to impress this person trying to say the right story that our body is doing things that we're not necessarily aware of and it could be a fidgety thing it could be uh your eyes darting around it could be losing eye contact it could be movement there could be a lot of different ways that your nonverbal cues could be telling the individual on the other side of the table that you're not confident and so what we need to do is we need to build that confidence, right? That's that's the key here. We need to make sure that when we go in there, we are aware of who we are. We know what our mannerisms are. We know we know how we're going to act so that we can set up a process prior to to be able to combat what that patterning is. So a couple examples, ways that we've worked with others in the past that have helped. One that I do myself that's fun and it's a little silly, but hey, practice power poses. I love this. Before the interview, before a big conversation, practice some power poses. The Superman pose. Everybody knows about it. You stand up nice and tall, shoulders back, hands on your hips, and you make yourself as big as possible. If you've checked out the, the show Ted Lasso, great character in that show, had a way of doing this as well, where she made her arms really, really big in, in the mirror to make herself feel confident before she went into any big conversations. Power poses work. But... There's a ton of other ways to do this as well. Mind your body language. As you can see right here, I'm I'm leaning in. I'm engaged. I'm not sitting back here in my chair, just kind of good, glad to be here. I'm focused on how I'm engaging my core so that I maintain that good posture. I'm also not using certain types of, of mannerisms that might make that person feel uncomfortable, right? I'm not waving my arms when I'm talking wildly, right? I can use my hands, but I use my hands in a calm manner. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the last one is really making sure that you're engaging with your interviewer. Where's your eye contact? Are you smiling? Are you showing those pearlies? Mm -hmm. Are you offering, if we're in person, firm handshake? If we are in person, what are we doing with our feet, our hands? right? All of those things matter. On Zoom, are we fidgeting with anything on our desk? Are we clicking with anything? Do we have poker chips, fidget spinners? What are we doing with our hands, our feet? All of those things matter. What does our background look like? How how are we showing up in the conversation? Did you, did you just roll out of bed? Did you just have a random t-shirt on? Or are you making sure that you want to come across professional? Because every interaction is an opportunity for you to showcase who you are. Mm -hmm. When it comes to nonverbal communication, one of the biggest things is sometimes when we, in our mind, in our mindsets, have expectations of the other person, right? Maybe we think that they're going to think poorly of us. If we're too nervous, maybe they show, showed up a little bit late and that kind of ticked us off. And we're conveying nonverbal communication that we either don't want to be there or we're upset or we've had a bad day and we've carried that into the interview. That's going to come across. And so what we want to try and do as much as possible, what Jack's getting at is show up in a neutral best version of ourselves, dropping expectations of the other person, knowing that we deserve to be in that interview and we've beaten tons of people out to be there. What we want to try and convey non-verbally is enthusiasm and excitement in a professional way. When it comes to our neuro spicy friends out there, if you need something in order to move or be able to um, focus, 
if you're in person, make that clear, right? Hey, I'm going to be taking notes on a notepad and use something that's more professional, right? Have a notebook out in order to maybe doodle or scribble so that you can use that so that it's not so distracting. When it comes to being on a Zoom interview, say that as well. What I always like to do is I like to literally show, Hey, this is my notebook. I'm just going to let you know if I'm looking down it's because I'm taking notes because I'm genuinely very excited about this interview and I don't want to miss anything. It is okay to use our words to communicate what might come across as not great and nonverbal, especially in a virtual world, right? If you're constantly looking down at your desk and you haven't conveyed, I'm taking notes or showed, Hey, you know, I'm writing. Um, they're going to, be a little put off by that, right? One of the best things here with this situation is showing enthusiasm and excitement. People want to work for people who are excited to work for them, right? Or with them. So this is a really, really great tip that not a lot of people um, think about. And a really great tip for this as well is grab a buddy get a coach, get a friend or a family member and do a mock interview on Zoom. Watch yourself back. How do you look? How are you conveying? And see if there's anything that you might need to adjust. Love that. Love that. Well, our last mistake that we want to avoid in our interviews is failing to follow up. Not sending a post-interview thank you or follow up within that 24-hour to 48-hour period that is a major misstep in you being able to come top of mind for that in, in, in individual so that they can remember that awesome conversation that you had, mm-hmm. especially if there were any action items that yeah. were talked about. I really wish that I had the stats and and um, I don't have them off the top of my head, but there is some sort of stat that says something around like 60 to 70% of hiring managers really enjoy getting a um, a thank you note and it sets the candidates apart in their mind yet only about 40 30 to 40 percent of um 30 to 50 i can't remember what it is uh job seekers actually send thank you notes so send a thank you note it is not that hard to create. What I always recommend is take a couple notes about what you were saying in the interview. If you aren't taking notes in the interview, immediately after the interview, as soon as you leave the office or hang up the Zoom or phone call or whatever, jot down a couple of the key points and then craft a short thank you note, send it off via email, Um it might set you apart. At the very least, it's another touch point where your name is getting in front of their face again, and it's creating that lasting um, remembering presence in front of their face. And so I highly, highly, highly recommend thank you notes. Absolutely. In these thank you notes, reiterate your interest. Highlight again why you're a good fit and your excitement for the role. And set a reminder, tell them, in that thank you note, hey, I'm really excited about this role. Here's a couple highlights from our call that really stood out to me. After talking with you, I'm even more excited about how uh, about this position. I think I'm a great fit. Um, I'm looking forward to next steps and speaking with the next person or speaking to you again at X time that you set in the interview. Or if I don't hear from you again by next week, I'll follow up. 
right? So setting this in there and setting the expectations that you will be following up or what the next steps are helps put everyone on the same page as well. Let's face it. Interviews are challenging. They are. But with the right insights, the preparation, they don't have to be as hard. And these five common mistakes can easily be avoided with just awareness, practice, and just a little bit of intentionality before hopping on these calls. Mm -hmm. And if you are struggling with interviews and you would love all of our tips, including questions to ask in each of the different types of interviews, how to answer each of the types of interview questions, um, how to have a star interview formula, including our star interview tracker, um, and how to negotiate your salary, how to answer those, how to develop an elevator pitch. We have an interview prep course up on www.optimizedcareersolutions.com. It is and under a $200 investment. This is the tips that we have used to help thousands of executives land interviews and offers and negotiate their salaries. We have helped um, thousands of executives negotiate over $12 million in salary increases. And I'm giving you access to all of those videos, PDFs, and tips in this course for less than $200 investment. So if you want to check it out, www.optimizedcareers.com. And if you have an interview story or question, please drop us a line. We love to hear from our listeners. Absolutely. And just stick with us because we are going to be diving in next week to career pivots to help you optimize your career. So until next time, make sure to make every impression count. But before we go, your feedback means a lot to us and it helps others discover the Career Advancement Academy. So if you enjoyed today's show, please just take a moment, subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. Good luck with those conversations. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for attending the Career Advancement Academy this week. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. If you know a friend or colleague who would benefit from this episode, make sure to share it with them and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. If you're interested in working with us, check out www.optimizedcareersolutions.com to learn more.